0: But there's one thing which we have got lost in, and that is this whole idea that if I set a target and I focus on it and I run towards it, it will work. It won't, because there's something missing in there, isn't it? And if you then measure that person against that target, people will start playing the system and try to look good.
1: Insured Nomads proudly supports the new Nomad podcast. Insured Nomads, for the evolution of insurance, for the revolution of travel. For all your travel, medical, and support needs, please visit our website at insurednomads.com. We support our location-independent community worldwide.
0: Welcome to the new Nomad Podcast, hosted by Alan and Andrew of Insured Nomads. Join us as Alan and Andrew interview and explore the community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Tune in to incredible discussions with thought leaders each week that will help you take full advantage of the cross-border,
2: remote work lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome today to the new Nomad podcast. Imran Rayman is with us today, the CEO of Kokoro, or he'll pronounce it slightly different when we ask him about the name and how it came about. But before then, I'd like to bring in my co-host, Andrew Jernigan. Andrew, lots of conversations about teamwork, a lot of interesting ideas today. What's on your mind today?
1: Yeah, this is a pertinent topic as we enter a new season. Growth and experiences as the world is adapting and changing to hybrid, mm and for many who have not done this before. So it's on my mind today because of the my love for systems like EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, and which keeps KPIs and things like that forefront. But yet I'm so passionate about the person and what everyone's going through. We can't throw out the baby with the bathwater is an old American saying in that you've got to be so conscious of the person on the other end. There've got to be exceptions. So I look forward to hearing. What Imran has to share with us today is we take a deeper dive into globally distributed teams, remote teams, and how we can be a lot more empathetic and compassionate and in how we operate.
2: So Thank I'd love you. to bring Imran in, the myths of measuring humans. But before we get into the, some of those myths and, and some of the other issues of making teamwork effortless, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Kokoro.
0: Thank you, Alan and Andrew. So where do I begin? I I grew up in London. I'm English. am sure you can hear that from my voice. I grew up uh, in an Asian family, um, and I'm sure you can guess what I became. You won't have to do many guesses. And it wasn't a and it wasn't an engineer. And I uh, went to school there, went to university in the UK, and then started traveling and working abroad. First it was Spain, and then Germany, where I learned my other languages. And then as I got into the corporate world and into the working you know, spaces of where we were trying to create some sort of value, whatever it was you are trying to create, you are trying to create some sort of value either for yourself or your customer or for the company. And the thing that happened along the way was I got into conflict a lot, Um not because I was, oh, sorry, um, I got into conflicts Um and not because I was creating them, but I was observing them and being part of them. And that's where, for example, I started to realize with mentors and with coaches and the training I got that I was quite good at them, dealing with them, helping interpersonal conflicts people who have conflicts with themselves because they felt they were not good enough, things like imposter syndrome, and then also the role conflicts you had in teams, as well as at a governance level across the organization, and getting people together and talk about and collaborate. And I kept on realizing that the people were not broken, the systems were broken. And it didn't take me long before I then found one of the myths we need to bust is this whole idea of fixing humans. We don't. You stop fixing humans, start fixing environments. Um, humans don't need fixing and they very often are the result of the system or the structure or the the organization you've put them in and um, and that's where I think the whole story began and that's where I think Kokoro was really born many years ago in one way I didn't see it back then uh, because we were not digitalized or we were entering the world of digitalization. and that's where Kokoro began and just to give you an idea of what I mean by Kokoro I don't think we've done a bad job until now with KPIs I think we've done okay but it has also shown us Um, what we haven't done. And I think it's about expanding that and improving that and growing on that and learning on it. And that's where Kokoro um, comes together with the perfect Japanese word, which means to bring mind, heart and spirit together. And it's just one word in Japanese. And in English, you need three sentences.
1: Oh, wow. So what does Uh Kokoro do exactly?
0: So what it does, it's for busy team leads. And um, one of the things we kept on finding our job performer was either a leader of teams or busy team leads. And there were three things that were going on. There was number one, this whole idea of, <laughs> I have a distributed team. I don't know how they're doing. <laughs> you know, how's my team health? The other part was, God, I also need to do development. I need to keep my team learning and focus on the team as well. I know we deliver for the company. We deliver for our customers, but also as a team lead, i got to keep take, i got to take care of the team. And the final thing was the team experience because no team experience happens. You have to curate it. You've got to make it happen. And those three things is what Kokoro brings together for busy teammates. And currently out there, there is no expressly known tool I know that helps teammates and also gives them the data back instantly. And what makes us unique as Kokoro is that you can see where you are in the data. So once you get the data back, you can see where you are. So the reflection starts straight away. And, and that's what we've brought together. So we're different from the, how can I say it, the engagement tools, which are great. You, you understand how the organization is engaging. I don't think it really helps because it's too late. I think you have to get in there before people are dissing it. And that's where Kokoro differs because Kokoro works at the team level with the other tools work at organization. So it's not necessarily a child that deploys it. It's sometimes a head of transformation. Sometimes it's just a unit head. It can be anybody in your organization that can use Kokoro because it's very unique. It's very targeted. It's what I call, it's all about formative data. It's data. We don't collect data that evaluates people. We collect data to form the future. Because those conversations matter. What's the next decision do we have to make? Because that's what makes meetings productive. And we kept on finding with all the, with the hundreds of teams we looked at, um, what teams found very frustrating was meetings that didn't work. Teams found it very frustrating that it was, can we move on from this topic? It's a legacy topic. We can't change this, but what we can do is have fun and really deliver on what we have access to an opportunity to deliver on. So let's do that. So all these things sort of yeah. came together and I created Kokora.
1: Interesting. So how do you feel the sudden newness for so many employees to working outside of an office affects this dynamic of review, evaluation, evaluation of performance, evaluation of mental presence, and the absence of those physical times to say, look, our a family member just died, and I'm not able to keep my mind in focus this week. We're all out yeah. of it, where many people are out of the office, out of the factory, out of the previous experience. Do you think this changes your work and studies a bit? As-
0: no, it doesn't, because we were ahead of our time. We still have a tool that's coming to market. So we're working with customers and learning. So it the pandemic has created an education around recovery and emotional health. And we were already onto this, but we didn't know how it looked like because all the tools out there only measure performance from one angle. And that is, the, you know, do you deliver? Have you achieved it? And we wanted to do that as well as measure psychological safety and belonging. So what makes a coral? So we, do you know what, <laughs> to be honest with you, we were just to, you know, when the pandemic came, we thought, oh, no, I wish we already had a product. Um, we didn't because we still had to learn with hundreds of teams and now we're getting to a point where we have good market product market product fit Um, it's bringing value in one of our early adopters they have now scaled to 250 people and we're looking we're working with more customers but the three things we really focus on what we found now um, for the distributed experience is um, psychological safety so what trust is for two people psychological safety is for the group just to make that clear for some people belonging you know do I am I important in the system do I have an identity can I be who I want to be? And do I have access to the social structures and systems in the organization so I can progress and build? And then the final part, which is all around performance, which is flow. And you can't get to a high level of performance unless you have psychological safety and belonging. So you can see how it all came together. So, and you know, people are talking about mental health. I'd rather call it emotional health. And there's one other aspect, Andrew, which I'm realizing is, you know, like, I think this will resonate with all of us across the world now as people who've worked in organizations, is how often have you gone on holiday and With this thought in your head, I'm going to recover once I'm I'm on holiday. And how wrong that thought is and how broken that thought is. Because what we should be doing is while we work, we should be recovering. So when we go on holiday, we're recovered. Interesting. So holiday should, do you understand? And that's what what we're not doing. What we've done is we've created a system. We say, okay, once I get there, I'll go on holiday. Um, And then they go on holiday and they get ill.
2: You know, it it Uh, brings up a lot of interesting thoughts because one of the studies that I've seen over the years that ties into your psychological safety conversation quite a bit is people, if they have a good friend at work, tend to love to come to work. That was a a study that came out many years back. If you have somebody you can rely on, somebody you look forward to seeing, that's part of the safety. I love the fact that you brought that holistic approach in. But one of the interesting things you speak about in one of your presentations is measuring outcomes increases productivity. And that's a myth. And that, but I love what you added was, or was added in the conversation you did, was if a measure becomes a target, a measure then is a target, it becomes a target, it changes. I know it's a little yeah, bit wonky, changes. but could you help our audience understand that? Because to me, of the things I took away from that, I understand exactly what you were talking about as I sat and had to think about it.
0: Well, think about it. So once I'm a big fan of OKRs and I'm a big fan of outcomes and I'm a big, you know, putting a goal into place. I'm not against goals, but if you look at the data, only 20% of people can work with goals. The rest can't. And we know that from the medical world because otherwise, you know, doctors would have it much easier to get people healthy. They don't. 80% of the people don't want to improve their lifestyle. So because there are many other ways humans work and are motivated. So goals work for some. But there's one thing which we have got lost in. And that is this whole idea that if I set a target... And I focus on it and I run towards it, it will work. It won't because you haven't, there's something missing in there, isn't it? And if you then measure that person against that target, people will start playing the system and try to look good. Now, there was a great economist that around the 1950s who said like, if a, You know, if um, if um, a measure becomes a target, it's not a measuring. And he applied it to the the world of policy and law, where people made law and said, Well look, if we create a policy and it's and we're using it as a target, then we won't people will start playing the system and say, Look, the law's working, the law's working. You start defending your corner because you are put on the spot. And very often what you also do then is some leader is measuring you up against that target. And you know what happens if I try to measure you, Andrew, and you Alan up against the target, I'm measuring my I'm trying to compare yourself to how well I do things. So this is broken at two levels. And so what we're trying to do here is really saying that look so what is that we need to measure um, and what environment can we then create around this measure so you can talk about the measure and it's not treated like a, like a target and that's when healthy high performance just happens. So
2: yeah I totally agree. That's the most fascinating. Well, I, I agree on the you know when you I mean I'll use the example that I've had in my career as I had a sales organization that you know people would say, well, how come you don't tell these folks they got to do 30 calls a day? And I'm like, well, if I tell them to do 30 calls a day, 29 of them may be unproductive. There might be one productive call. I'd rather have them do five productive calls than try to make this target for me. And I trust them as highly intelligent, incentive compensated people to do the right thing. Because if they don't do it, the only person who gets hurt first is themselves, but also want to give them the tools to do the correct. Is that kind of what you speak See, as far as that?
0: Exactly. So and what you do then is make sure if the environment is right, then these people will create the right thing to talk around. So like you do want to put something in place, don't you? you want to say, well, how can we then learn as a group? Um, so if we do by, you know, whether we do 10 calls, 20 calls, 30 calls per day, um, how do we make those calls most effective? Or um, how do we hit home with those calls? And what is the thing that we can talk about as a team so we all learn the cat um, around that. Um, and that is then the hard work of a team because they won't get it right first time. Because maybe they first say, hmm, maybe we should always, you know, like see if the customer's happy at the end of the call. And they'll try to measure that and they'll realize, hmm, that's not working because measuring a happy customers doesn't mean they bought something because it doesn't hit our bottom line. Like, hang on, what are we trying to do as a team? Do we, do? Is it about our bottom line, the money we make? Um, is that why we're doing the calls? Why are we doing the calls? And they go, well, maybe we need to look at our purpose. And then they have the better conversation and it will lead to them working out what is the variable that they need the indicator that they need to have in their team um, to be able to say well look once if we connect every two weeks in our retro and we look back um, how can we learn from that um, so the a measure stays a measure and the measure creates a learning conversation and moves them forward now then there might be another metric around numbers that you bring along, Alan. You say, look, but I want to see how much money we're making. How often do I bring that one in? And where do I bring that in? So it actually um, creates a, a healthy conversation. And one thing that you got to be aware of, Alan, as the, the head of sales or the, you know the director of sales, is how do I create an environment in which we can talk about comfortable yeah. things? but also make it comfortable to talk about uncomfortable things. So accountability can happen. Now, and that is the thing, the difference between good pressure and bad pressure. Gotcha. And I think every leader knows when they 're creating bad pressure, and every good leader knows when they're creating good pressure and My job as a coach, which i 've been doing passionately for the last twenty years, very often is about helping leaders very often to, to move their environment from a bad pressure environment to a good pressure environment interesting and they 've done, done it unintentionally very often they haven 't done this with a, you know like an evil heart i 'm going to come out and make my people feel terrible. No, um, they keep pushing with their passion and passion actually hurts people. Well,
2: I mean, one of the things that I think is interesting, you know, talk about measures, like for instance, net promoter score is a big deal for a lot of folks. I always felt the most important thing out of net promoter score is not what our score is, but it's the comments that come out of the score that somebody would say, but you're doing this wrong or you could do this better or you send us something that we think is a bill. But it's not. It's realizing that maybe we should put in bigger print. This is not a bill. I, what I'm just getting at is is if you're using it to get better as opposed to just scorekeeping for scorekeeping's sake, it's a better deal all the way around. Correct that. Well, you can see yeah. what happens, can't you, Alan? You get you, you end up going into just defensive. Yeah.
0: Like I've known the like the head of engagement from Google, EMEA, for a while. And his biggest criticism is, is that for the last last four or five years, he's saying, hey Mark, I'm just in defense. I just defend myself most of the time as a leader. And that's not a way um, we can create value. is in our meetings, the first 20 minutes are looking at the data. Then we question, what does the data mean? And then we've got 20 minutes for the meeting. And that's not the point. So coming back to this is where we, uh, we started exploring. We started realizing, could we do this in a different way? So we use visualizations. So we started creating um, things you answer with animated graphics. So we use vector graphics. Um, which animate and then we present those animated graphics back to the team so they can use the picture um, to assess how the team is doing and it's been really really been fascinating to see how this has worked. Um, with teams because you know a picture tells a thousand words and it allows for more room to maneuver with your conversation and that's what this is about for me this is about creating the right environment for for teams so they can have the right conversation make the right decisions and keep moving and improving um, that's ultimately what i'm trying to do is i want us to move and improve and we need to move and improve faster today than
1: ever before moving improving but yet keeping conscious of humans in front of us, not machines. It is so critical that when we're all attempting to accomplish our goals, our personal goals, our corporate goals, our team goals, that we realize it's run by people that go through things, and we things can change in a heartbeat, in an instant in someone's world to where everything could have been completed except for the last save on a report when they got got the news. And being willing to do what you're saying, to lead with such awareness of the person behind the, the project is such a crucial element as we lead endeavors these days. And I think so many times we've been focused on the mechanisms that we've forgotten, the mannerisms to watch, to see what's happening behind Certainly everything. This is exciting. I, I know you've spent time living in different countries and living this life, observing people, putting putting so much thought into your work. In this this environment, where I know we have people listening from around the world, whether they lead remote teams, they manage expats, they are just curious about the lifestyle and thinking what it's going to take for them to live in in Portugal or Bali or Thailand or you know Brazil and still work with their company or their industry. Where you know, there's some things that you've seen and I'd love it if you'd share in this segment that we do with all of our guests what is the one thing that you have you'd like for our listeners to know about the overlooked person place experience, book, that one thing that jumps out at you that you'd share?
0: Oh, it's a really good question. I think this is a really, really important one at the moment for me. You know, I lived in Spain for five years, or four and a half, to be more exact. And one of the things that got me when I was out there was the exclusiveness of the language. It didn't matter whether you spoke one word or a hundred or you were fluent. The minute you could say, hola, ¿quital? you were fluent, you were part of it. And I, for the first time, when I started to get to know the Spanish culture and go to the bars, I saw professors talking to somebody who cleaned the streets about politics. I saw um, levels of society interacting with each other and seeing how inclusive they are. If you look at the data of what pay, how many female um, scientists register patents around the world, you'll find that Cuba is the number one country and all the other Spanish-speaking countries come after that. So there's something about that culture which people i don't think really see is how inclusive it is and for me today that is the biggest topic for leaders is how do you create and create inclusive environments and how do you use the language in a way that you can create that environment and it is leadership's job they have to model it so people can embrace it so what i'm trying to get to is actually a japanese book and a austrian psychologist um, who have merged themselves in the Spanish culture because Spanish people use encouraging language and tone of language continuously and that is the only way to create high healthy high performing environments the austrian psychologist i would look at is called alfred adler and he talked about developing horizontal and vertical relationships vertical relationships are praise and punishment So leaders who praise will always punish in their language. doesn't mean they're bad people. But people who create horizontal relationships will always use encouragement as the way to move their people. And they'll build more sustained um, teams and groups and individuals that keep going and and, and find their flow. And the book I will mention, which people I think should read, is The The, The Courage to be Disliked. Ah. Um, I can't remember the author's name because it's a Japanese name, but the book is called The Courage to be Disliked. And it's about Alfred Adler, the psychologist. Who, who developed individual psychology and its connection to creating inclusive environment through building horizontal relationships, which I found very often and only in Spain when I first moved there. So even today, I find them very, very inclusive. If you go to a party and you're standing around, they'll tell everybody to turn around and face each other and create a circle. And these sort of mannerisms is something I think we can all learn from. And if we all do go on holiday to Spain or Spanish-speaking countries, look closely. You'll realize how inclusive their language is. And I think it's very in-
2: So I brought three things you know, in. I today. think that's great. And I Did think you help? actually touched upon something that might take a different title that people aspire to. And you see the people in the, especially where, where I've worked in the past is the conversation about being a servant leader, that everybody has yes. that value. Everybody has a, a important input. And and frankly, the courage to be disliked makes me also think of how important it was that you also mentored those who were skeptics that we're willing to speak truth to power because sometimes those folks get put to the side, but their input actually saves you a lot of times because they're the only one honest enough to say, I'm not sure this is going to work for all of us. And then you can reevaluate, exactly. which I thought. It, and another thing which I like about no, go sorry, ahead. So I, was
0: say, I have to say it's about servant leadership. Um, because one of the things Alfred Adler points out in his book, he says, it's about you working out your contribution to society. That is where you want to find happiness. So he talks about your contribution to community, which is what a servant leader does. And the servant leader begins always with giving first taking so it all then does tie back together about learning to give first and if you learn to give and continuously give also in your networks then the network will provide and I think those are the underlying sort of thoughts that uh, which I think the pandemic has asked us to integrate um, into the way we work Um, because once you have distributed team as you so rightly said Andrew people are isolated some people um, have struggled some people have actually just um, flourished in these environments but how do you take either or and work with it um, so you can create that feeling of togetherness, which I think most of us um, I think need um, to work on a daily basis and to build the resilience we need to deal with the current state of affairs that unfold on a daily basis. So
2: Imran, I'm sure people so that listen to this podcast will want to learn more about Koro. Could you tell them where they could find you and catch up and learn yep, more?
0: they can find me on Link Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn underneath under Imran Raymond, R. M-A-N. They can find me on Twitter with ims, Raman R-E-H-M-A-N, so at ImzRamane, and also at bcocoro.com. And also they could also write to you, Andrew and Alan, um, and find me there. But generally, I think those are the three, four locations.
1: Fantastic. Fabulous. Watch for it in the show notes, on social media, and uh, the links will be there. Catch us at thenewnomad.net, and you'll find those links also. So it's been a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for sharing stimulated some some great thoughts. Yes.
2: So as I take away today, I'm going to research and we'll put in the show notes, the name of that book also, which is fantastic. And, you know, once again, Andrew, you and I have this conversation about leadership and teamwork and having everybody feel a part of the team. I think this was spot on today. Give me a quick takeaway for our audience.
1: My takeaway truly is to continuously be a student. We've got to be learning every day, being willing to own our mistakes and study further so we don't do it again. And so these things that Imran and his team and what they've built really helps people move past the mistakes after discovering them. And this is good. You know, we all need to realize our areas for growth and Imran has done a good job for stimulating the desire for that today with our teams.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us all today. We look forward to hearing from you again. For those of you in the remote lifestyle community, we wish you the best. We're going to continue to bring many more leadership conversations. My last thought on things is I love the fact that that analytics don't tell the full story and you need to see more holistic picture of things because life is not so simple. And I, like me who comes from a sales background, you would look at analytics, but it didn't tell the person who has the spark, who's out there, who really is helping others get better. A lot of times, a lot of times the success among the team is hard to pinpoint who that particular individual is. But you kind of, as you, you speak to folks, say, who influenced you and helped you along? And then they would mention that person. Then you'd realize there's a lot more going on here than just 30 phone calls per week. Etc. So thank you for opening your eyes to that. So great takeaway today. Look forward to hearing from you all next week. Once again, thank you for joining us on The New Nomad. Insured Nomads proudly supports The New Nomad podcast.
1: Insured Nomads for the evolution of insurance, for the revolution of travel. For all your travel, medical, and support needs, please visit our website at insurednomads.com. We support our location-independent community worldwide.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the new Nomad Podcast, where we bring together an incredible community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. For more amazing tips to help you take advantage of the cross-border lifestyle, please visit us at insurednomads.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.